He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every single week with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postalides. Opa! Hello, everyone. Hello, Mr. Bolotta. Hello, love. I have to tell you that I just remembered I met someone recently who uh, we were talking about, you know, um, being Greek. And I and I uh, said, oh, and, you know, one of my friends, somebody who works with me, her name is Alexia Cristina Postelidis. And he looked at me and he said, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It, It is a lot. It is. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you, my daughter's picked up that mantle because when somebody says, give me your full name, she doesn't say Ileana Marie or Ileana Apostol. She gives it the full-throated Greek, Ileana Maria Apostolidis. Good. You taught so, her well. Yep, yep. Pride, <laughs> pride in culture. Pride. <laughs> pride, pride, pride. Pride, pride, pride. So you just were doing something pretty awesome, huh? Weren't you and D'Angelo? We were in Des Moines again this year. This is a second trip to Des Moines for House of Mercy, Mercy One Game Show Gala. Probably one of the most fun events we get to do. And we have such a very small part in it, too. We basically bring the game with us and run the game and write questions beforehand and are just a small part of the production team, which is led by... Uh, innovative events out of Des Moines, Tracy Fuller, our friend and client. She's a terrific lady. Uh, they raised over half a million dollars this year <gasps> on Game Show Gala. And, you know, it really is, I hate to give away their secret sauce, but I will say that it is such a well-run machine that they have there with Game Show Gala and uh, how, how, They've been able to really infiltrate the community and get the community involved and engaged to raise money on their behalf by basically selecting teams and captains who will not only compete on the night of the game show gala with the game we bring, but throughout the time that they become a team till the event are raising money. So each of those teams raised a 40 to $50,000 oh on my their gosh. own before they even got to the event. You know, it was just really, really incredible that they were able to bring so much value. And it is a fun, fun night. And you know what, Alex? It's not a night in which there's a lot of time to just sit with your your table mates and convert. There's a lot of business. Hmm. But what they do so well is everybody that comes onto stage to say anything does so for no more than three minutes. So while there are a lot of messages, they're very short and very easy to digest during the course of the night. You don't feel feel overwhelmed by their their speeches, their video content, none of it. It's all it it flies by. Really well done. So congrats, Tracy and and Megan have been on the show. They were on the show in mm-hmm. 2021. Uh, and if you'd like to listen to that uh, that episode, it was it was dropped in July, I believe, July August timeframe of 2021. Uh, great, great fundraiser and great team. It was a fun week, and the only thing was, of course, we got stuck. Yeah, I'm home, sorry. But- you know, though, I have to say, every time you worked that event, the both of you, nothing. I mean, obviously you enjoy all of your events and all of the clients and stuff, but there's always such a lighthearted feel to this one. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's a, like you said, it's a very well-oiled machine. 
you have your practices in place and it's not about having to reinvent the wheel for the sake of reinventing the wheel. So it's just nice to have that. I know you guys, you both go, you have a lot of fun. I'm a little jealous. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it's really nice to see. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. It's such a pleasure to have these kinds of opportunities when you know you're helping an organization and the people are just responding in mm-hmm. such a fun, lighthearted way. It is very uplifting. Got to and they're it. lovely people. Lovely. Lovely people. The loveliest. The lovely. And I have to say, um, shout out to Des Moines because it is a very progressive city. And the people there are lovely. And uh, I, I honestly, it, if you haven't been to Des Moines, it's Perfect. worth a trip. The fair is coming up. The Iowa State Fair is coming up in August. I hear it's one of the best fairs in the country. So if you haven't been there, go. I, I will. It's on my bucket list now to go okay. to that fair. Uh, and you know how I feel about fairs. We've been to a few. <laughs> we always have fun. It's all about who you're with. Have you ever and, lost your cookies at a fair? That would be yes. That's right. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what else is on your mind today? Well, what got I, going on? I got a little something going on in my head about event production. Let's get tipsy. Today's tipsy is about that event production. To begin a clarification. Event production and audiovisual are not, in my mind, synonymous terms. AV support implies the need for little to no technical support over and above the basic setup and operational skills. It is used most appropriately when referencing small breakout sessions where presenters are typically able to drive their own presentations or in rental-only situations. Whereas event production, including production for general sessions, recognition events, staged presentations, and entertainment, has a more elevated purpose. Over and above aiding in the clear, intelligible communication of all messages emanating from the stage, a keen use of lighting, projection, and audio can help capture focus, retain interest, spark intrigue, and ultimately keep those messages, excuse me, help those messages get through in a much more meaningful, memorable way. Notice the word keen in that last sentence. That's because the equipment, whether cheaply built or expertly designed and maintained, is still only one part of the event production equation. The other more important factor is the production team, the dedicated skill technicians who ensure that the layout accommodates your needs, the equipment serves your intentions and is operationally set up and glitch free. One reason not to go with the cheaply built stuff, by the way. The best of these production teams can anticipate your needs without prompting, have solutions when challenges arise, and of course, are ready before you are, even when that means around the clock setup. They believe in magic. That is the magic of storytelling. So rather than sit and wait for you to arrive with your PowerPoint or video, they're troubleshooting all of the other last minute PowerPoints and media they've just received, or they're rehearsing and writing production crews that will enhance your story, giving it greater impact and a better chance of striking a chord with the audience. The best production teams are the ones you bring into your inner circle and your planning cycles and ask questions of and feedback from. The ones most in tune with your style, your goals, and the value of your dollar. The ones with which you endeavor to build long-term relationships. And that is my tipsy. You know, as always, you say something that reminds me of my Yaya, because she would agree with you 100%. What would and, she agree about? Tell me. Uh, well, she would say, Criazete en Oreo. Criazete en Oreo. Yeah, Criazete en Oreo. I didn't give the accent the first time. Oreo. So basically, what she's saying is it takes a village right? Or many hands make light work. So the bigger your village, the better your support, the better the work, 
the better the outcome. Mm-hmm. Or in our case, mostly the better the meal. I agree with Yaya. When you build that net, you build the security and the support that you need so that you can focus on what's really important, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. So, with that in mind, let's uh, introduce uh, who we have on the line with us today. Should we bring them on? Yeah. I'm feeling a little coyish today. I don't know why. Yeah, it's cute on you, though. On. I yeah. like it. You wear, you wear coy well. Well, thank um, you. Well, he's a, you know we have a cute guest today, so maybe yes, that's what it is. Yes, he is very cute. Yes, we do. And as our guest puts it, because I love this. He was born into the AV event production industry, and he fondly remembers playing hide and seek with his um, sister between all the big speakers and audio equipment, and which was then the warehouse of his father, Mitch's production company, Seas Pro. By the tender age of 15, he stopped playing and started working in the business. I mean, you know, I was still laying out by the pool, but more power to you. (laughs) Upon receiving a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration, he began applying what he learned to the business and found his true passion, running a company in such a complicated industry, which he describes as a puzzle that's always changing, keeping things new and exciting. Since taking over the helm of Seas Productions in May of 2018, he has grown the business exponentially, offering full-service AV and event production solutions for live and virtual events all over the country. Please welcome the president of Seas Productions, a full-service event design and audiovisual production company, Mr. Zach Grant. Hey, how you doing? Great. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Thank, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, you know, the the introduction is really never enough to allow our audience a moment to get to know our guests. So we've come up with something we call 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions. 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Very simple. All you have to do is give me the first answer that comes to your mind. Alex watches the clock. Two minutes, 10 questions. That easy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one, Zach Grant, do you believe in magic? Um, not without pre-planning. There you go. Ooh. I'm a puzzle you need to figure out. Am I a jigsaw or a bag of Legos? Um, probably more Legos. I thought maybe you'd say that. When was the last time you tried something new? Uh, I took up meditation the last couple of weeks, so probably that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a whole conversation. Yeah. What's the first word that comes to mind? First word that comes to mind when you think about you? Uh, resilient. What is the most memorable live concert, show, festival, or theatrical event you've ever seen? Um, there's been a bunch, but the one that seems to stick in my head is my dad took me to go see uh, the Cirque Beatles love show in Vegas when I was a kid. Yeah. That is a beautiful show. Yeah. Lucky you. Number six. As hiders and seekers go, are you a more cunning hider or seeker? Definitely a seeker. Good for you. What's the, that's sort of a trick question. When I wrote, I thought, hmm. What's, what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Um, I have a tendency to, I think, overthink sometimes and maybe getting more outside of my head. You worked for Best Buy from 2005 to 2007. What was the best thing about working there? Um the realization that that was what I didn't want to do with my life, I suppose. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's important in life. Yeah. I wondered about that. Uh, number nine, you also have a BS in marketing management. 
prepare yourself because I'm going to ask you, can you give us 10 seconds of irresistible marketing BS right now? <laughs> um, no, probably not. Um, because I'm not a BSer. Um, one of my main things is I'm super, super authentic and uh, I don't try to be something I'm not. So I couldn't give you BS if I tried to. That was such a great answer. Wow, beautiful answer. You just really, wow, you nailed it. Number 10, Alex represents your dream client. Who does Alex represent? Um, Alex is somebody who understands a little bit about what we do, but she respects and embraces what we have to offer. And uh, it is a very fruitful two-way relationship where we both have ideas and um, everything is, uh, you know, on the table. Problems are solved uh, together. And um, yeah, more than that, I'd say it, it's uh, trust and a friendship as well. Well said, thank you. That was per that was that was amazing. Yes, that was amazing. <laughs> Amazingly done. Applause. We need an applause like, machine, applause meter. Can I just that. say you're hired? I, I don't have an event right now, but it, it doesn't matter. I will create an event. Perfect. I'll be here. <laughs> well, and you do some beautiful work too. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Thank all you. you have to do is look on your IG or on your website and you'll see all the beautiful work that that you do. So you took over Seas Pro from your dad and you're and it's Seas Productions. Yeah, Seas Productions. Seas Productions yep. from your mm -hmm. dad. Uh, what did he tell you when you finally took over the reins? What were, what, if any, were his words of wisdom to you? Um, I don't know that there was any like one thing he said, like in that moment, because there was, it was definitely been like a transition, kind of something naturally in the works where, you know, he's been an engineer uh, working long hours and, and kind of grueling work for such a long time that just took a toll both mentally and physically on him. So I was just over time kind of stepping up, but there was something he said a long time ago when I was playing music in bands and it was, uh, we were always, when we were in the band, we were super concerned about, oh, we need to get signed by a label and go on tour and do all these things. And, and he said, don't worry about any of that, just write good music and they'll find you. And so I've kind of just always had that in the back of my head with everything, just basically to do good work, you know? Uh, and you know, whether that's clients or employees or whoever, they're going to find you and realize what you're doing. If you just keep, you know, doing the best possible job you can. Um, so I stay focused on that. That is sage advice. Mm -hmm. You really can't lose with that kind of an approach. Right. Because even if you don't get the clients you want, you still have the knowledge that your work is solid. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you know, you're being a, an asset and enhancing people's people's lives, really, and their yeah. meetings and their communications. It's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you also basically started as a pusher. Yeah. That's a history term means <laughs> you're pushing the cases through the house. Oh, yeah. uh, I was wondering what that meant. Yeah, it's, it's a grunt job. Uh, yeah, because basically you unload the truck, you push the cases to the room, and then at the end, you push the cases back. And if the empty cases have to go back after everything's pulled out, you do that too. It's just back yep. and forth, back and forth. Yep. And some of those, some of those trips are not easy. Uh, so you basically started pushing, then mm -hmm. you worked in a where in the warehouse, then in mm -hmm. operations, then vice president. I think that's when we first met. And mm -hmm. now as president, has the work your way up approach impacted your leadership approach? Absolutely. Um, it definitely gives me kind of reality on what everybody that works in the organization is doing. And I think without that context, it's hard to make decisions on process and the types of things that we want to do and how they're going to affect other people without being super in touch with that. And that's one of the things in my company that you know, no matter how, how, how much growth and success and, and all those things that we have, I never want to be so out of touch with the guys that, uh, you know, are still working in the warehouse or, or pushing cases on site or any of that, uh, that really enables me to make the best possible decisions. So it's been tough keeping employees in this environment. Have you had any issues keeping a team together? Um, yes and no. I think there's a few jobs that are just 
they're prone to higher turnover than others. Um, specifically in the warehouse, I think that's that there's a lot, there's always been higher turnover there because it's a tough job. Um, but in general, no, I mean, uh, the same group of people I had before COVID is, is mostly the group of people that I have now. Um, your ugly really sweater team in that way. Your ugly yeah. Yeah, Chris sweater sweater team. Team. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I've been uh, fortunate in that way. Yeah. Our, our, our guys are great and, and they, they enjoy working here, I think. Can I, I want to, I mean, the fact that you started as a pusher and you worked your way up, do you think there's a more respect, mutual respect, because they know you know what they're dealing with? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think so. Um, I also didn't want to be seen as, you know, the boss's son who comes over and he's just going to be running everything without mm-hmm. putting in the work. So, Smart. yeah, I, I never ask my guys to do something that I, I wouldn't do myself. You know, from time to time, I'll still even drive a truck or go, you know, load a truck or, or whatever is, is necessary. I mean, we have people for that, but things happen. And, um, you know, I, I'm definitely a believer that you lead by example. Especially when it's your ship that you, yeah. are, you know, that you're directing. If if you aren't willing to, uh, you know, raise the the sail or bring it down or, you know, clean the, the galley or do whatever is necessary to keep your ship afloat, then why would anybody else? Right. So it's really um, a question of leadership by example. Right. Right. 100%. Yeah, that that doesn't strike me as being um, surprising about you. To be honest with you, you're you're in a jump, you're a jump in kind of guy, and uh, the kind of gen who also takes incredible responsibility for what you provide. Yeah, which is yeah. what it means to be the leadership. You know, the buck stops here, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of think no matter what it is. Um, I kind of take responsibility for everything that happens, you know, in, in some way or another, it's, it's my, uh, my fault or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I either hired that person or I made a decision mm-hmm. that influenced something. So yeah, if you mm-hmm. can't, you know, if you can't put your ego aside and, and see that, then, you know, this probably isn't the kind of job for you. <laughs> Business ownership is probably not a good thing for you. Exactly. At all, right? exactly. Just, uh, may not work out. And I've seen, I've seen that issue with other uh, small business owners who can't get out of their own way. Exactly. Uh, and I think I've even mentioned it here before, people who uh, just get really bent out of shape over things that are not really personal and don't need to apply to everybody if one person does you wrong. You know, you have to be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're going to have a podcast release soon uh and your goal through this podcast is to demystify av yeah so um can you share one of the most mystifying things about it that you'd like to change what do people misconstrue about av um there's you know there's a lot i think in general when people think av uh their guard kind of goes up there's like an apprehensiveness to engage with it. And they'd rather just kind of, you know, maybe it's, it's convenient to go with the in-house because they're there and, you know, whatever, or, you know, just, just, I don't know, kind of ignore it. Um, I don't know that there's one specific thing, um, but in the world of AV, uh, we're starting this podcast to, to just educate people that for one, it doesn't, have to be so scary. Um, it's really not. And, and, and a perfect example of that is I actually don't know how to work most of the equipment that sits in my warehouse yet. I successfully run this company. Um, so that, that's kind of what we're, we're trying to uh, get across, um, that it, it's not the scary thing and that you know there are people out there like us that you can engage with and bring in as a partner to uh, you know make the most of it and make it not scary. Um, and I think maybe if I may interject, the thing about it is the lack of knowledge around AV. But right. but but I have to also follow that up with, because I've seen it, a lack of desire right. to understand and become familiar with it on a you know more robust level. 
Uh, I've seen people present at trade shows, present audiovisual or production, and to very small audiences. And it always just, I don't get it, to be honest with you, as yeah. the planner should understand what it is that they're dealing with. That's part of the issue that they have when they, mm -hmm. you know, they don't know how to respond. Um, your podcast, what, when will it first be published? Um, we just started recording episodes last month. So I think we're going to release the first one around September. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have the exact date yet. We're just starting to record some different stuff. So um, one of the next one we're recording is going to be about uh, labor, um, you know, because, you know, on any AV budget, you know, labor nowadays makes up 50, 60% of what that budget is. And so I'm going to talk a lot about, you know, how it's important to get the right people and when you should be talking to them and why it's better to have more people than less people and, yes. and all of those kinds of things. Yes. It's the things that people really, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you, you say it yourself, the things that people don't think about. You know, right. And, and we mentioned one of those things earlier, the pushing of the car, you know, the, 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 the equipment from the truck, unloading it and getting it to whatever room we're in. Right. If, if that's a difficult uh, push, if there are steps, if you're waiting on a freight elevator to get where you need to go, if you're waiting for a dock to open up, uh, right. all of these things add, add waste, excuse me, waste precious time. And that's why having more people is beneficial because if you're, you know, stuck and you need more pushers to get the stuff in more quickly, uh, you know, you need it or yeah. it's not gonna get done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, time, time is finite, right? You don't you don't get to stretch the clock and you know yeah. make two minutes yeah. out of one. We're not we're not the type of job where we go, eh, you know what, we're not ready. Let's just push off for another couple hours, right? So whether you're ready or not, like the show starts when it starts. So um, and as you know, we've been doing this a long time, you know, things don't always go according to plan. So you've got to, you've got to take all that into consideration. And, and, and he, exactly. And, and, and here's the thing also that I hope that you'll talk about. There seems to be this misconception that because the equipment is all set up, that everything's ready. And there's, there's this lack of understanding that the crew, the technicians need to learn your agenda your show. They need yeah. to understand what is going to be happening, how quickly it needs to happen, and what's involved. And if you don't get that opportunity to do a cue to cue or to run through those things with the crew, you're really flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. And, right. And yeah. I don't know about you, but I can tell you that the, from my perspective, the setup times are shrinking and mm -hmm. squeezing out any opportunity to to understand what it is you're dealing with so you start a show blind and that is not yeah. a good place to be no it's not not a good feeling um <clears throat> yeah so i think i think you're right i think people underestimate how valuable a tech rehearsal is i don't think that they um really often think about that so um if you're planning an event, I would say, you know, you may have 10, 15, 20 people on the crew that all need to work in tandem with each other to make that presentation go smoothly. And if you don't allow time for them to all run through the program, because some of those guys, for sure, this is the first time they're seeing, you know, what it is, right? Because, you know, one of the things that we struggle with a lot, I would say, is content management of, uh, you know, as an AV company, you know, we, we always set a, a goal of, hey, get me all your PowerPoints and your videos, you know, a week ahead of time so I can test and make sure the audio is right and all that. But inevitably every show, there's a presenter that comes with, you know, I need, I changed this slide and I changed that. So, you know, it, anytime you're introducing something last minute or, you know, you're not rehearsing something, you're entering, uh, increasing the chance of risk, right? So um, it's our job to, basically eliminate as much risk as we can to have that, that show run smoothly. Um, at the same time, I mean, can we punt a show? Yeah, we can. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's not, uh, it's not the ideal way to go about it. And, and some shows where you have a lot of presentations and speakers, it's not really 
possible. So I'm talking maybe more so the gala where it's, you know, kind of a rinse and repeat. You got an auctioneer that comes out, you know, maybe one video or whatever, like those things maybe need less tech rehearsal. But if you're dealing with the general session, a lot of moving parts, you absolutely are going to need tech rehearsal. You're going to need somebody sitting back there with the crew calling the show, right? Steering the ship as well. Um, and that's often one thing that one of the things that doesn't get talked about as well, or even looped into the process. So um, yeah, pre-production, you know, the, the stuff that happens before we show up on site, you know, that's also where you spend a lot of time making sure that everything, your plan is good. You have everything, um, you know, your timeline, you've got the right people in place. You've got contingencies for when things do go wrong because, you know, the nature of what we do is we're working with hundreds or thousands of pieces of electronics and people. So, you know, things are not going to go hundred percent all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, we could talk probably all day about <laughs> those types of things, but. Well, and I think from the client's perspective, it's a matter of cost, right? So it's the difference yeah. though, between getting that room for an extra day and paying an additional food and beverage minimum or an additional room rental rate, depending on the size of that room, it could be pretty high. Sure. But, but. On the other end is exactly what you talked about earlier, and that's labor. And after it, a 10-hour day, you're in a time and a half, and then you're in a double time. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, you've spent that money in labor. And then here's the here's the issue. Not only have you done that, you've spent that additional money that you thought you were saving by not getting the room earlier. You're now spending that on overtime. But you now have technicians who are wasted. They're yeah. tired. Mm -hmm. Right. Now they have to sit and operate your show and be quick with the cues and yeah. be on point. And, you know, if you've ever yourself tried to do a 24 hour period and then been on the next day, you know that it's just not easy and not oh, yeah. the best way right. to run a it's show. It's tough. I think, I think a lot of people don't understand what it takes to be an AV technician on, on show. You know, we're often thought of as, um, you know, kind of consumables, I guess, right? Yes. We're just there to do a mm -hmm. job. You know, I can't even tell you the number of, of shows I've been on where, you know, we're scheduled for a 14, 16 hour day. And then, you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, the crew needs to eat. And it's like a surprise. Like, well, you know, <laughs> they've been working for eight hours. They need to eat a meal, you know? So um, I guess the takeaway is, you know, don't lose sight of the people on your crew. Like they're people, um, you know, treat them with respect the same way that you would want to be treated and, and they'll work mm -hmm. hard for you. You know, nobody wants to do a bad job at all. Um, so, you know, you, you treat them well, they're going to treat you well in return. So let's talk about my tipsy for a moment, if you don't mind, the value yeah. of creating a partnership with a production company. Where yeah. do you, where do you see that value? Um, so there's a, there's a few different kinds of AV, AV companies. Uh, there are companies that just, you know, rent gear. There are companies that specialize in the creative and the branding and all that stuff. And then there's companies that are kind of full, full service. They have gear and they do a little bit of creative and all that stuff. And that's kind of where we are. So for us, you know, we, we want to come in and really partner with the client and start talking about projects early on to just help guide them the right direction, because there's a lot, like oftentimes we get brought in really late to the game after venues already been figured out and, you know, schedule and, and all these things where, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we would have had a better way of approaching it or say, you know, Hey, maybe this, this particular venue isn't good for what you're trying to accomplish, or maybe this schedule is not going to work because like you said, it's going to put your guys into double OT and they're going to be spent on day two. And, you know, if they're tired, they might miss a cue and, you know, all those types of things. So our job, we want to make your life as easy as possible. Um, the sooner we get looped into that project, like in the, in the early planning stages, we can help eliminate a lot of that headache that might be caused later on in not seeing it. And it's probably things you're not thinking about, right? Like if you're streaming, how much bandwidth do you need? Right. And how many ports do you need in which rooms and, and all these types of things. So, Whenever I get the opportunity to go sit in those meetings and, and literally talk about that, you know, with a client, show them like that's generally they always have me back for, you know, they realize the value they're gaining there. It's not just always the, you know, what you think you're getting at face value with an AV company. Uh, and what about the uh, the. Uh 
ending of the show and the post. Do you ever get invited to the post discussion about and ask for your feedback about how things have gone from your yeah. perspective? Um, sometimes, I mean, we actually send out our own uh, feedback surveys to clients and actually to all of our freelancers as well. Um, we are a company that's always trying to get better and you don't get that without getting that feedback. So um, I would say mo more often than not, we don't get invited to those meetings. I'm, I'm not sure exactly why, you know, again, AV's kind of thought like outside the mm -hmm. realm of the event, but um, you know, we're, we're certainly would be like to uh, be a part of that. Well, I think it's important. It's why I, why I asked the question. Sure. It's important yeah. to know where you can do a better job, but um, where I see clients miss the boat quite often is in not inviting the production team to the post-con to talk about right. what could be better in the future and to, as you say, get into these planning cycles uh, and then bringing the production on board. And, you know, I always wonder why. I always wonder why why isn't the production partner there with you? when you're deciding these things, when you're signing contracts, why aren't you having them right. look at them and make sure that, you know, you're not being, you know, yeah. your back is going to be put against the wall over something later on, right? All of those right. issues. I don't understand why they, they don't. And I have one particular client who just doesn't want to know what I have to say at the, at the end of the end of the show. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I don't understand. I don't I quite, I, I, I'm speechless because yeah. all I want to do is help you to make this a better product. And yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's probably that. a lot of reasons. Yeah. There's probably a lot of reasons. Um, for one, you know, maybe a lot of these companies, uh, the people in charge of the events, that's not like their main job. Right. So they're just done. Like usually, you know, it's like some, somebody within the marketing department and, you know, they've got a hundred other jobs and maybe they're just happy to put this one aside and not think about it for a year. So I don't know. Maybe that, maybe, I don't know. There's a hundred reasons. I, I wonder if part of it too is, you know, you don't want to hear any criticism, even if it's with the intent, which it is going to be, the intent of making it better for following years or the next project. Yeah. You don't want to hear it because it, it, it's a little bit of a blow to the ego. And, you know, you want to go in thinking, I did a great job, not where did I miss the mark? Yeah, well, I was, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, um, you know, I, I can I can understand that, but it obviously is not the right way to, no. to run an event. Absolutely not. I'm, but I'm actually specifically talking about situations when post-cons do happen, but the production team is not invited. So there is a discussion about what could be done better, what was missed, uh, but the production team isn't invited to that that happens yeah. quite a bit yeah oh it does yeah for sure i mean maybe maybe a reason is you know maybe well i can i can think to our our how we work uh which is none of the the events that we work i mean there's a lot of events i've done for many many years but they're not on like these multi-year contract level agreements right where i have a next two, three years, regardless. So maybe they're thinking that in like a transactional way, right? They put this thing out to bid every year and maybe it's not going to be the same team or whatever. I don't know, mm. you know, but. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. They're using a different mm. team every year. They don't have one in-house. They don't have any management in-house. And, but to that point, then they don't have anyone who's making sure that the standards are the same year right. from year from year. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have great years and they're going to have years that are not so great. And that's what they're training their audiences to accept and expect. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I think fundamentally needs to change is yeah. we just allow these things to happen. You know, a mic doesn't turn on on time or the video takes, you know, 10 seconds before it starts. And it's just sort of forgiven. And then, you know, the the at the end of the day, people are like, well, it was OK. Yeah. But right. there's no understanding that when it's right on the money. When people, when there's no lag, when people aren't waiting, when the mic is on when it's supposed to be on, when all of that happens the way it's supposed to, 
you've already elevated the experience because you have no lags, you have nobody, you've given nobody an opportunity to say, oh, they've screwed up. What happened? Or oh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're kind of like bad food in that regard, right? Like how often do you go write a Yelp review because your food is really good? Not, not all that often, but if it's really bad, you're going to let everybody know. So when we are doing really good, we're invisible. Nobody knows mm -hmm. we exist. But if we're doing really bad, you're going to hear feedback and, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And that's when people notice it. So it's a yeah, shame, I, but yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you and understand that. But there is the person who is responsible for the show, for the event. And that person is the one who should recognize the difference. Yes. And that person needs to be the one that makes the decision to do something about it. So see, we're a little yeah. bit different than, than we're set up a bit differently than you are, Zach, in that we don't own equipment. We partner, mm -hmm. right? We partner with people. And so we have a little bit more flexibility. We can go to Europe. We can go to the East Coast. We can work anywhere and we can vet the providers that we work with and we take the responsibility of doing that but there's no reason if you think about it why you couldn't provide that same service for the clients that you have and right. say to them you know what maybe my team won't be on this but we can provide some uh supervision yeah for you at mm -hmm. this rate and you, you know and you do that and then you ensure there's con there's a continuity there's a standard and make yourself perhaps a little bit more indisposable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that is something that we're trying to do. You know, it's not necessarily for everybody. Um, everybody kind of comes in needing AV in a different way. You know, um, some people have technical directors on staff or, you know, they know enough or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, we're, I guess we're here, you know, trying to spread the message that, you know, not just us, but, you know, we're all available as, as more of a resource than just the gear and people on site, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Have you a, a special name for your podcast? Uh, no, I am trying to decide whether or not um, something like seize the moment is uh, too corny or not, but maybe something that's a play on our acronym. Mm. You have shop talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just kind of came, I used chat GPT to kind of come up with something. Cause we were, you know, we were doing these, we just did our first talk and I was like, mm -hmm. oh, we're, we're talking shop. Right. And it's like, oh, it doesn't sound good. It doesn't roll off the tongue. So I just typed it in and that's what spit out, but I'm not married to that name necessarily. Oh, I kind of like it to be nice. honest with you. Okay. And I enjoyed this. I yeah. listened to it. I really enjoyed it. So you, you, you heard, you heard the episode with Phil. Mm -hmm. I listened to the whole thing and he was delightful. He's funny. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's he's very outside the box thinker. Mm -hmm. And you and you did actually did that as an open house at your at your studio warehouse in Oceanside. Yeah, we we just moved in here about a year ago. And so we built out a section of our warehouse where we can host in-person gatherings or virtual events or all that, you know, similar to kind of what we did over COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we're, we're just trying to invite people in, you know, and like I said, demystify AV. I think it's brilliant. I, I mean, I have to say, even though I, I come from theater and I've worked in theater my whole life and sound designers and, you know, technicians and always great respect, I still didn't really have an understanding and probably still don't completely what it is you do. And yeah. it's every time I'm fortunate to be on site and I get to see all these moving parts, I ask myself, why wouldn't, if you have a very good team, why don't you want the same team to the best of your ability all yeah. the time for continuity and to build and grow together? Yeah. Well, kind of going back to what you're talking about, I, I think oftentimes uh, that AV is thought of as a com commodity and not a relationship mm -hmm. and that every bid you get is going to be apples to apples and it's the same thing. So, you know, they're just looking at, oh, well, you know, you're $50,000 and they're $40,000. So we're going to go that direction. But, right. you know, every time you re reinvent the wheel, you know, like we were talking before, you're, mm -hmm. you're introducing more risk, right? That AV company is mm -hmm. not familiar with this event and they're going to have new people. And so, sure, you can do that. Maybe you're going to send, save $10,000, but at the expense of, you know, maybe your show doesn't 
flow as well. And there's this major screw up and your client's not happy. So you have to decide what's important to you, I suppose, when you're selecting a vendor, you know? Good point. Uh, and I suppose that for some, uh, the flow of the show and uh, the ride that is given to the audience is much more important than to others. They don't understand the value of yeah. that emotional ride that you really, the storytelling, that's right. the key, right? You know, we talk about equipment being itself being only half of the uh, value of what we provide, right? Only a portion of the value. What are your protocols to ensure the equipment that you're sending, however, is in good working order? Um, well, we have uh, a, a full team here dedicated to, you know, operations, QC, prep, deprep, all of these, these things. But, you know, gear, like anywhere you go, gear is gear. And there's like a whether it's us or, or any other company, everybody does that pretty well to some degree. And we, we in, include spares and the ones that don't, obviously you're not, you're not hearing much about, but um, so <laughs> yeah, it, it, it involves, um, you know, time basically taking out gear and testing it and all that stuff. It's, it can be a lot of hours, but actually as technology has evolved and we gone from, you know, traditional, um conventional lighting with bulbs that need to be changed every two or three shows to leds that have you know thousands of hours and and lasers are or uh, projectors are now switching from lamp projectors to laser projectors and leds becoming like there is a little bit less qc involved with some of this stuff so that's nice but it you you definitely need to put eyes on the gear um so yeah we have a we have a way that we deal with that make sure we're not sending things out that don't work but you know you can also check things you know once right. twice and they they still fail on show so you you need contingency plans mm -hmm. for those things right so we'll always send spares extra of you know all the things that are mission critical to making show that sure that show happens famous last words well it worked in rehearsal yeah exactly <laughs> yeah they never fail when it's uh right you know at a convenient time it's always yes, right. the worst possible moment so, you know, I hear you say equipment is equipment is equipment, but there's been a proliferation of equipment coming from from countries outside of the U.S., China mm -hmm. being one of them. Uh, is equipment equipment is equipment is equipment? Does that still apply? Yes and no. I mean, LED wall, for instance, it's all made in China, all of it. So there are companies that are U.S. based companies that will buy all the parts and components and assemble it here, you know, using some of their own stuff to make sure that it lasts longer. And there is uh, a difference, I would say there, a, a better QC process that ensures that it, it lasts longer. So yeah, I like kind of similar to, I suppose, how you would find an AV vendor. I'm not out there looking for just like the, what is the cheapest thing that's going to do the job? Like we are right. going with known quantities Mm -hmm. uh known brands and mm -hmm. and beyond that when i when i buy a product i'm looking for somebody who has like local support right so you know elation for instance they've got a warehouse an hour away from us so we just bought a batch of big um moving uh framing spots that we really like and you know i know that if if something goes down even though it's an led fixture i mean things happen um mm -hmm. i only have to drive it an hour away instead of ship it off halfway across the country and wait three weeks to get it back right. so. before you have it back yeah. in your inventory yeah. right yeah comes down to service for sure right and and just you know i don't want to give the secret sauce away to your business but but just if you don't mind giving us an idea of what one moving light instrument would cost you to purchase yeah um well, it's probably the reason that you don't have a warehouse and a bunch of gear You're because damn it right. is crazy expensive. Yeah. So it depends. But if you want, you know, what I would say our industry uh, calls, you know, good equipment, um, you're probably talking three, four, five thousand dollars and up for a single fixture. If it's a if it's a moving spot. I mean, I've seen them as much as twelve or even fifteen thousand for one instrument. And you might need, you know, twelve or twenty four or a hundred of them on a show. So. The, the proliferation of LED lighting really has been a recent phenomenon within the last 20 years when you basically started in this mm -hmm. industry. Did, do you remember, though, dealing with the conventional lighting? And did you do you remember putting up shows with them and how yeah. hot they got? And you... Yeah. I mean, we still use it from time to time. It's not like completely obsolete, but 
you know, I'll give you an example. You know, you get a lot of these bands that are traveling, um, you know, from the right. 80s and they're using the same rider right. they have for 30 right. years. Right. right? So I, right. there are still rigs out there that are like 60 park hands up and down. And right. those are tough to find nowadays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I remember it. There's there's pros and cons. I mean, LED, I think, has gotten really good at capturing you know, the kind of the, the tone of a, a conventional light, you, you get this really nice tungsten kind of look with conventional lights. And, and that was really hard. Uh, a lot of LED had kind of this bluish tint kind of to right. it. Too white. Um, it was so white. It was blue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, looking straight into it was a little more harsh sometimes than the conventional stuff. So it's gotten better over time, but um, there's still a time and a place, you know, for conventional, you know, maybe you're doing something outside or you know whatever you don't want to you don't want to leave all your expensive indoor led stuff outside for two months but the conventional is just fine you know and in my experience that's where i see them used most is in concert settings outdoor settings rarely rarely do i see them in a ballroom anymore used by any kind of you know production team yeah um, the a, power, the power draw right. enough, right. is enough to keep them yeah. out of the ballroom. That's, that's what I was going to say. That's it's a good it's point. probably um, more so about what clients paying for power in the ballroom than it is the fixture, you know, you know, and, it, and quite honestly, it took, it took us a while to even lower our, our draw requests from the venues from 200 to 100 three mm-hmm. phase, you know, but that was a big change, you know, and it, it saves clients money when they're not, yeah you know, spending so much for electricity. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ways C's Productions provides additional value to its clients? Um, for us, it's really about making our clients life as easy as possible. Um, so that could be, you know, sitting in on meetings, like I said, with, in-house about, you know, this is how much internet we need to do a stream, or, you know, we don't need that 400 amp three-phase draw because, you know, we're going to all share off of 200. I'll bring ISOs. And all of this, I'm sure, sounds like Spanish. That's, um, you know, power in itself took me a long time to wrap my head around. But, you know, I think that being a resource for those things that our clients have question marks about um, is helpful. Um, And and the trust, uh, you know, if, if the client is, I guess it's one thing, you know, maybe that we uh, could talk about is just the trust factor between client and vendor. You know, there are some people out there that are really, really secretive about, oh, I don't want you to know who this person is and talk to this person or whatever. And, you know, we're just trying to get the information so we can do our job best as possible. So for us, I feel like the more transparency, the better a job I can do making your life as easy as possible. And we've been able to do that really effectively for some clients and, and less effective for others, you know, if they're more protective of information. So, but for some, you know, it's like, I've gotten really funny calls or emails when we're getting days out from show and they're just like, Hey, uh, I haven't heard anything in like a month and are we all good? And I'm just like, Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're good. You know, everything's handled. So um, we want to be just handling it for you, right? So you're not even thinking about this because so many of our clients are dealing with a thousand other things that AV is the last thing that we want them to deal with because they're probably going to struggle with wrapping their head around some of it anyways, right? So Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that answers your question. And what about, it does. And and what about the content management piece? Uh, You know, when you're given that access, uh, what are some of the things that you'll do to ensure that it will work on site? Yeah, so, well, we try to get it all ahead of time, you know, before we're dealing with things on site because you got issues like, okay, I'm on site, maybe they didn't pay for the internet package and I have to download, you know, a 60 gig video and I can't do that. It's going to take three hours at the venue, right? So we try and get content, Yeah, I would say at least like a week ahead of time. Probably doesn't happen very often, but we can get, you know, maybe 75% of it like a week ahead of time. And then we're going to play it back on all our machines to make sure that, you know, the audio is right and it's not, you know, like out of phase and needs to be, um, you know, all these things that just make sure the content's right. And then, you know, if we've got a show call or a producer on our staff, we're going to put all of that into like a show flow and uh, make sure that we're not missing any 
pieces of the puzzle, right? So we know here's speaker, they have a PowerPoint, they have two videos. Okay, boom, boom, boom. We have all three, we've checked all three. So it can it can be a lot for sure. But um well, when you talk about one speaker, it doesn't sound like much, but when you multiply yeah. that by, you know, 10 or 15 or 20, yeah. and they don't know where they fall in the order, they don't, you know, they're just sending you their information, their deck, they're not worried about where it falls and when it, the, all they want is for it to come up when they call for it. So it really right. does become your, your responsibility to... Yep get it all in order and make sure that it works and is set up correctly. And that's just one of the things that you do that you don't talk about, right? right? Mm -hmm. That just happens. Right. Um, but that's not something that everybody does. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen teams sit in a ballroom with, you know, twiddling their fingers or playing video games because they're not, they're not on, you know, there's nothing operating. So they're just going to yeah. wait for the next thing to happen when really the thing they should be doing is going through the assets, making sure that they're going to play, rehearsing, going through a queue to queue, making sure making sure that people understand what's going to be happening next, yep. so that it does happen on time. But not every team gives you that. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's really awesome. The you know the what a key takeaway here for me is that it's really important, and we don't do enough, and I think clients don't do enough of this is understanding how each part affects the next part. Right. And any yeah. breakdown in that system is ultimately yeah. going to affect you. So yep. even the questions like, well, what, like you said, it, you, what was your package, your, your, your power pack? You know, what did you pay for? What is your yeah. internet capacity? All of those things, you need to understand what you have so that you can do your job effectively. Right. Because, Absolutely. you know, didn't even dawn on me. You're right. If you have to download something that's a big file and you don't have the right internet package, that could be a disaster. Right. I remember a client, I love this client. They were so nice. I couldn't get them to understand 16.9 as <laughs> yeah. opposed to 4.3. Mm -hmm. I sent them what I, I sent them, you know, examples, but they ultimately had their designer create it in 4.3 and it came the night before we right. needed to do it the very next morning, right? It came at like 10 p.m. We had to do it at eight. We had to rebuild that entire presentation yep. in 16.9 over the course of the evening into the morning. Uh, those things that we just did because it needed to be right. Yep, yep. And those are the things that, you know, people don't think about. And we tried, man, I, I, I couldn't have tried harder. <laughs> I couldn't have said it more. I couldn't have shown them more examples. I, you know, it just, this is what happens. There's a communication stream. Some, it got, you know, blocked somewhere along the line. And, you know, instead of saying, oops, well, you know, you're going to have these black bars. Sorry. You know, we yeah. made it work. And that's the difference between a team that cares and is passionate about your success. Right. Right. Yep. And, and, you know, you brought up something, Alex, that I just wanted to uh, give a little bit more uh, time for, and that's um, the idea of organizing the setup. And there are times I have to imagine, Zach, when you're not doing the whole thing, you're not doing audio, visual and lighting, you might maybe just be bringing in lighting, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important for you to know what else is being brought in, who's yep. bringing it in, what time it's coming in, how you're going to coordinate all that. It yep. actually makes it more difficult when you bring in disparate pieces, lighting yeah. from somewhere, sound, right? right. But, but when you do that, don't think, oh yeah, this is just going to work out. They'll all come and set up. No, there's a process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's entering more unknown right into the equation, which is increasing risk of something. Right. right. So for us, it's a lot more uh, straightforward if we're handling the whole production. Um, it is, you know, there's some clients that we've always just done this or that with. Um, and to be honest, it probably just puts a lot more on them. Right. Trying to coordinate two, three, four, five vendors. Uh, instead of one. And so from my perspective, I always thought it would just be easier if they made one phone call, one phone call, and I'm doing all of that legwork for them. You know, that's, that's kind of what I, I thought our, our value prop is to our clients. So but, it's, yeah. it's not only easier, but it's definitely more efficient. And when time is a factor, which it is more and more, it's right. just the way 
to go. Um, I want to ask you about um, in-house providers, your experience with them. Has it been good, bad, indifferent? Because, you know, you can't avoid that interplay. Yeah. So tell me about your thoughts there. Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, we don't have, you know, near as much direct communication with in-house as, you know, you would, of course. Um, for us, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, I suppose. Like, I actually do have Encore uh, call us for equipment rentals when they're running thin, you know, because their on-site teams don't have like this huge inventory they're pulling from. And, you know, there's there's a time and place where in-house absolutely makes sense over bringing in a vendor like like us, right? But, you know, if you're really, if your production is like trying to tell a story and it's, it's big and all these things and you want us to be involved like uh, early on to, to help facilitate all that, like that's, that's not an in-house situation, right? Because I think the biggest thing, the biggest difference between in-house and uh, third-party providers like us has to do with, you know, their, like, what is their drive, right? These these companies, I think the in-house companies are more concerned with the dollars and cents and making a profit than necessarily the quality of what they're putting out because they're lacking the competition. If you go to that venue, you have to use them for X, Y, and Z. Whereas I go in, I don't have a multi-year contract. If I do a bad job, you're never going to hire me again. But if you go back to the property, you have to use them again because that's that's who it is. So there do, there doesn't exist this you know the sense of urgency on their part to always do a good job. And that's not to say that they're you know they're all bad. There's definitely good in-house people, and there's a lot of talent there for sure. And I'm not I'm not saying that they all think that way, but I think that the 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 competition for third-party providers is healthy. You know. Mm -hmm. keeps us all on our toes thank you for sharing that yeah very yeah. good perspective uh I, I i have to say i feel similarly for different reasons um but we'll not get into that because i could go on and on and on and that's not yeah. what we want to hear yeah. what we're going to do is get to the nitty gritty <laughs> the bolotified five uh, and that's our Bolotified Five questions that we'd like to ask you to end our broadcast. Are you ready to go? Sure. All right, Zach. What is your golden rule? Um, I, I've kind of got two, I suppose. Uh, one is being authentic. Just be yourself. Uh, and, and the other is think outside the box. Hmm. What is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Um, I th think not having an ego, right? Like this is something we talked a lot about in college. Probably my biggest takeaway is that building the best possible team you can, right? And letting them do your thing, find the best talent and then just get out of their way. So knowing that I'm not the one that has, you know, the best idea all the time or the only idea and embracing the team and, and all of that. You can't have an ego, I feel like, to to be successful. That's a really good point. Yes. Uh, when no one is listening, what are the things you tell yourself? Usually, it's just like, you got this right so been through a lot of stuff and you know when when something challenging is coming my way i just i think back to all the things that i've already uh conquered and and gone through and go you know you're gonna you're gonna knock this one out too staying positive mm -hmm. and what is one change you'd like to see in the world not to be political or anything but i'd love to see logic prevail over the influence of money <laughs> amen and what is your why uh my family my boys my wife yeah my dad all of them how's your dad doing he's good yeah i'm trying to make his his life enjoyable as as easy as it can be you know because he he did so much you know over the last 30 years and setting up the opportunity for me and just you know, kind of like i said took a, a big toll on his body and 
Um, so I'm just trying to give him like the, uh, the happy retired life, you know, <laughs> nice. I'm sure he's really, really proud. Yeah, for sure. One last question. What does your mm -hmm. sister do? So yeah, actually my sister works for us now. Oh yeah. Good. Great. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's our HR and, uh, office manager. Awesome. Is it a yeah. good partnership? It is. Yeah. Cause, um, you know, like I said, uh, one of my main things is I like to be authentic. So um, sometimes I, you know, say things that uh, maybe are not in the best possible way. And so she's the one that keeps me out of trouble. It's great. Good. Do you still play hide and seek? <laughs> Dang it. That was my next question. <laughs> I know it. I, would, I was going to be do it. Um, no, we don't. Uh, she just had a baby about a year ago, actually. We just turned one. So she's pretty preoccupied with that. Well, it's probably sure best. Yeah, playing that now. I mean, it's you know, yeah, probably might be weird. Might be yeah, weird for might a couple be a little thirty weird. year A little counterproductive, maybe. You know. Yeah, for sure. Although it might be a really good team building activity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could play something and you know have a great time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I just said, but it's it definitely do it. <laughs> definitely do it definitely play it whatever brilliance came out of whatever right. i don't know why yeah, it just seemed like zach thank you so much for joining us um yeah. thank you for your perspective and for your authenticity and for your professionalism and for helping us raise the bar for uh, sure ultimately that's what we want to do thank you yeah. so much yeah no problem happy to do it Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. <laughs>